नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चार्वक पॉडकास्ट दिस इज योर होस्ट कुशल नेहरा ऑल राइट टुडेस डिस्कशन इज मॉडर्नाइजिंग हिंदू पॉलिटिकल थॉट लेट मी गो अ लिटिल बिट फर्दर हेड नॉट ओनली जस्ट पॉलिटिकल थॉट लेट्स जस्ट मे बी कॉल इट मॉडर्नाइजिंग हिंदू सोशियो पॉलिटिकल थॉट एंड आई हैव विथ मी टुडे ऑन द पॉडकास्ट कंचन गुप्ता एंड अभिजीत अयर टू डिस्कस दिस इशू थैंक्स अलॉट बोथ ऑफ यू फॉर कमिंग ऑन द पॉडकास्ट so dada i'm going to start with you so let's let's do this dada obviously aap aap pehle aap hamare senior hain fir abhijit mere se thoda sa bada hai bade dikhta nahi hai magar hai mujhse bada umar mein <laughs> so let's let's do this dada so let's first let's try to define and explain obviously both you and abhijit have must be having different views on this so when we talk about modernizing socio political thought hindu socio political thought what exactly do we mean dada well uh, you see hinduism by itself is a is a large uh, concept it is it is a concept that is not contained in a single book or one document or one verse or a or a, um, a collection of verses and uh, the word hinduism by itself is not of uh, ancient origin uh what uh, what what existed before this word came into play was sanatan dharma and uh, the followers of sanatan dharma were sanatanis uh and the word sanatan as uh, we know is it means uh, something which is imperishable something which uh, lasts forever something which has come through ages something which has evolved through ages now uh, what i the way i look at it is that uh, for me hinduism is not just my faith uh, it is also my world view it it fashions my world view it fashions my mindscape and uh, therefore it also sort of uh, fashions the way i look at society around me uh, the way i look at culture the way i look at politics um, and uh, while i would not allow uh, uh, my faith to determine uh, my my politics or the way i look at society but definitely it is something which uh, which which makes me try and understand the uh, why the way things are the way they are and where can we go from here to the next stage because as i said that sanatan dharma or or, or the or the or the concept of uh, uh, sanatan dharma is something which is not static it is something which is evolutionary something which uh, which with every age it evolves to a higher level and uh, that is why when i look at hindu samaj uh, and uh, at 60 i can look back i mean my uh, my memories uh, would go back to the time when i was 10 years old or 12 years old uh, and uh, it's so about half a century uh, of memories exist and when i look at the the look at hindu samaj i find that there have been a lot of changes for the better when i say modernize i definitely do not mean westernize i mean change for the better change for uh, uh, keeping keeping pace with the times that we live in 
but at the same time there are there are deep flaws there are deep uh, 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 i mean there, there there are fault lines and those fault lines uh, uh, remain and at and and what worries me today is that some of those fault lines are being uh, re-excavated in the sense that they are be, they are being made deeper than what they were, and uh, that does not help Hindu Samaj at all, and uh, that 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 actually takes us back in time. This is not something that uh, we would want. This is not something that we would uh, care for, and. Uh, and and uh, the last point which i would like to make uh, you know it's very fashionable for people to say today that uh, i am a conservative now I, I honestly i do not think most people understand what it means to be a conservative uh, i don't think as i just as i don't think too many people understand what it means to be on the right of the political spectrum so these these terms have become fashionable uh, tags or badges and we must beware of them a conservative for instance if, i mean i would consider myself to be a conservative uh, because a conservative and i'm just being very simplistic about it Abhijit should not snigger at me. He is much more knowledgeable than me. Uh, but a conservative is someone who wants to conserve, who wants to preserve the best traditions of his or her uh, culture, his or her civilizational history, and his or her uh, faith. In our case, Sanatan Dharma. So to be a conservative is quite different from being uh, a traditionalist or to use Twitter lingo, a trad, or, or to be an obscurantist or, or to be, uh, to, to, you know, this whole thing uh, that uh, it's fine to be a fundamentalist. Of course, it's fine to be a fundamentalist and we should all stand by the fundamentals of our faith. But being a fundamentalist uh, should not come to mean that you are glorifying orthodoxy or that you are willing to be a part of orthodoxy uh, because orthodoxy is something uh, which fossilizes the mind, which, which, which addles the mind and uh, it, 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 it sort of goes against the basic fundamental of being a sanatani or of of or of or of sanatan dharma ie of being a hindu or of hinduism that's the way i would i would look at it so uh see for me it's basically an evolutionary process nothing has ever been static See, even within Hinduism, nothing has ever been static, right? So what happens here is that at different points of time, in the Bronze Age, you had different ethics from the Iron Age. And even within the Iron Age, from the first axial age to the second axial age, you had significant shifts in thought patterns, in, uh, you know, practice.
practices and so on and so forth. Now, what you see today uh, is a fusion of two or three different things. The first is that what we call Hinduism today, uh, uh, the uh, uh, what the so-called trads want to preserve. This is Hinduism from just about 1000 to 1300 years back. This wasn't the Hinduism before 1300 years back. This isn't the Hinduism from 2500 years back. And this certainly isn't the Hinduism from, say, about 3500 years back. There have been huge paradigm shifts within Hinduism, even during that period. Now, essentially, what you're looking at is the morality, ethics and idioms of a very, very rich urbanized country that had de-urbanized, that had in a sense almost de-industrialized, I mean, uh, you know, industrialization is a loaded word, but de-industrialized uh, because of de-urbanization starting from the 700s uh, and had become extremely ossified, right? Uh, this is the first trajectory in this uh, whole saga. The second trajectory is when you ossify, you tend to create social mobility stops. And so what you're seeing is a photo shot of a particular period of time without any kind of reference to the socio-economic patterns that existed at that point of time. Now, to you know, kind of support the trads in a sense, we need to come to point three, which is they are not wrong in a sense because India still hasn't industrialized. We're still a pre-industrial third world country. However, with the information age, and this is this goes against their argument, with the information age, what you've seen is a sort of mental urbanization. Even if you're not physically urbanized, you're looking at a significant mental urbanization of the population where the old paradigms of society simply don't work. All right. So when Kanchanda says, why are they called conservatives? Why are they not called the orthodox? Conservatives, what do you want to preserve? Is it that you want to preserve the religion? Is it that you only want to uh, preserve the best practices of that religion? Or do you want to preserve something that everybody else reviles, but that gives you a specific privilege and honor or whatever, and it suits you and you want to perpetuate that? Right. So all of this comes into play when you're talking about Hindu modernity. The biggest barrier to Hindu modernity in socio-economic political thought is the fact we still have not industrialized. The biggest uh, regressive force uh, within that sort of mind space is also the fact that we have not industrialized. So there are still takers for this kind of rubbish uh, floating around. And therein lies your fundamental problem. Uh, on the one hand, mentally, you you have progressed significantly. On the other hand, socioeconomically, there's still a lot of factors keeping you back. And therein lies the fundamental contradiction that we're seeing right now. All right. So, Dada, I want to come to you and I want to talk about something. As they, you know, uh, what was that uh, famous line? I think it was... Um, uh, Andrew Breitbart, who had once said, politics is downstream from culture. So 
you know, obviously, so you cannot look at, you know, the political modernization process in the Hindu society uh, without paying attention to the social aspects of it. So, so recently, obviously, uh, I'm also party to it, but there has been a lot of talk about uh, Swami Karpatri Maharajji. And uh, there is a particular site that says Swami Karpatri Maharaj uh, is X and people like me uh, say Karpatri Maharaj is Y. But uh, if I was to use uh, the Ram Rajya Parishad and the Janasang as an example, Dada, so how do we play those two sides out in, in, in terms of Indian politics? Um. You know, Hindu political thought essentially flows from, uh, okay, let me just explain it in a certain way. This is not to uh, be judgmental, but there are the higher traditions of Hinduism and then there are the popular traditions of Hinduism. Now, when I say the higher traditions of Hinduism, they are essentially about uh, the large body of intellectual work which we have inherited as part of our cultural civilizational legacy. You look at the Upanishads, you look at the Vedas, you look at Gita and uh, plus all the attendant uh, work which comes with it and uh, the Puranas and those it, it, it is that higher tradition which makes us uh, what we are as a nation, as a society, as a people, as a culture. And therefore, our political aspirations must on or should be driven by what we are, not by what we were made to believe uh, are the best political traditions of the world, i.e. the Western traditions. So that is one part of uh, the question which you asked. The second is, when Abhijit says that what are the conservatives wanting to preserve? Now, the point which I was trying to make is that someone who calls him or herself, uh, uh, himself or herself a conservative, possibly does it without realizing the essence of conservatism. And the essence of conservatism is to conserve or to preserve the best traditions and the, 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 there is no end of best traditions uh, if we go back to the higher traditions of Hinduism. We'll not go, get into the popular traditions, which are essentially about rites and rituals. Those are, again, region-specific, uh, community-specific, etc., etc. So that's a different discussion altogether. Uh, but to conserve the best traditions, to bring out all that is good about Hindu dharma is what conservatism or what a, a Hindu conservative should really be doing. 
and this has nothing to do with uh, obscurantism it has nothing to do with uh, uh, with with trying to sort of push uh, the distortions that came about as abhijit said in the last 1500 years or even lesser than that some of the dis dis uh, distortions are of much recent vintage and orthodoxy orthodoxy has never ever served the interest of any religion and it's not only hinduism that i refer to i mean uh, if you look at the all the three abrahamic faiths what has been the contribution of orthodoxy towards uh, making those faiths uh, more amenable for our times um, what has been the contribution of orthodoxy uh, to sort of uh, making their those three faiths into something which which would have elements of admiration in it in them so orthodoxy never works and orthodoxy is something which is inward looking something which is very closed its orthodoxy is about closed minds and closed hearts and closed eyes and closed ears that is not what hinduism is about that is not what sanatan dharma is about and the last part of your question on the on the ram rajya parishad look there i mean at that point of time the ram rajya parishad was it was not it wasn't a it wasn't a mainstream political force or or a social force it was on the margins but it had substantial support uh, from the uh, especially from the uh, entitled elite hindu elite of uh, of 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 the hindi hindi speaking parts of india and uh, for instance in rajasthan it had some support it had some support in the central provinces uh, in the united provinces but uh, the bharatiya janasang had little or no support i mean it was it, it, it was just a nascent force and uh, it was trying to grow organically no nobody left uh, nobody left the cpm or the congress to come join the bharatiya janasang the bharatiya janasang was a brand new uh, uh, entity in indian politics now given this background and after gandhi's assassination uh, when the rss was unfairly targeted when it was delegitimized and after that the congress government of the time had to remove the ban it had to restore uh, the, the rightfulness of the, the rss to operate in india to exist to continue with its work all that happened but the tag remained and that also impacted the bharatiya janasang now i remember a story which uh, advani ji once told me uh, that uh, in rajasthan uh, where the bharatiya janasang was trying and uh, advani ji was the uh, 
प्रचारक फॉर राजस्थान एंड देर आर टू स्टोरीज विच विच आई रिमेंबर वन ही सैड दैट आफ्टर गांधीज असैसिनेशन एंड अडवाणी वॉज जेल्ड आफ्टर गांधीज असैसिनेशन आफ्टर द होल स्टॉम ब्लू ओवर एंड द आर एस एस वॉज बैक इन एक्शन अडवाणी जी हैड गॉन टू राजस्थान आई मीन ही हैड गॉन ऑन सम टूअर इन राजस्थान दोज डेज दे हैड नो मनी दे लिवड ऑन चैरिटी and uh, <coughs> and that was part of the sang tradition also that you uh, one way of reaching out to people was to stay at their homes to to ask for your food from people among whom you were working so advani ji thought that he would he would have his lunch at some home but and it was summer no household was willing to offer him even a glass of water such was the such in such was the manner in which the sang and the janasang had been maligned by the congress people were afraid that if you sort of associated with them in public you, uh, the police would come looking for you and uh, he so advani ji says that it was high noon and i just wanted a glass of water i was hungry and 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 nobody was willing to give me a glass of water or a meal uh, and finally i mean you know if, even if he went he went knocking on doors and nobody would open the doors <coughs> so finally he saw from a jaroka um, uh, a woman in gongad beckoning him sort of she asked him to come to her house and he was brought in through the uh, rear door uh, to the angan of the house where he says for the first time in his life he had something called papad ki sabzi so he remembers the incident for both reasons that it was the first time he had papad ki sabzi and second is that this woman was kind enough to give him food when he was hungry then the story goes on that when the janasang was trying to expand its work in rajasthan it had two allies one were uh, one one were the princes who had been uh, uh, one were the zamindars now the zamindars were being where they were feeling threatened because the zamin of the zamindari abolition act that was coming up so they thought that by aligning with the janasang uh they they could get some political muscle to fight back the zamindari abolition now that didn't quite play out the way they wanted it because bhairo singh shekhawat uh, 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 and, and the janasang uh, they ended up supporting the zamindari abolition uh, act and 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 with that uh, the a uh, little support they had from the landlords uh, from the zamindars or what they i think they call them thikanedars in rajasthan uh, that support vaporized the second bit of support came from ramrajya parishad which was then led by swami karpatri ji maharaj and uh, swami karpatri ji maharaj he wanted an alliance with the bharatiya janasang 
there were i think elements in the bharatiya janasangh who thought it would be a good idea uh, and advani ji was asked to explore uh, the further possibilities of an alliance now advani ji says that he was very discomforted he was very uncomfortable about the very obvious and very stated and in your face uh, casteism of uh, swami karpatri ji maharaj he he could never sort of uh, uh, connect with him because of that and uh, there is the story that he was called karpatri ji because uh, he would not eat food served on uh, any on a plate i mean or, or on a dish uh, or served from uh, any utensil so it had to be food out of uh, the uh, out of the dekchi uh, or kadhai in which it had been cooked straight into uh, his palms so he would hold out his palms like this and and the food would be given to him and he would eat it so so that the food would not get tainted by uh, by any dish or by any plate uh, and uh, now th this is oral history so i i don't want to get into uh, a messy situation but uh, uh, what i can recall as as far as i can recall he he was very clear that uh, the malech eat from plates uh, and worse people who share plates are like uh, are like dogs who eat from one container now this this is something which which was patently not acceptable not only to advani ji but even to the bharatiya janasangh and uh, a point came where uh, karpatri ji maharaj he actually demanded that the bharatiya janasangh must one of the elements of the alliance would be that the bharatiya janasangh would uh, would openly state the supremacy of the court and court upper castes that it would not support uh, the a social or cultural inclusion of quote unquote the the, the backward castes uh, and uh, or the so called untouchable castes and uh, uh, advani ji revolted he said that what rubbish i mean this is something which is so repulsive and and i will not do it and and the bharatiya janasangh never did it and that is how that uh, alliance never happened now you know when i said in my opening remarks i mentioned that there are deep fault lines in our hindu samaj and one of those fault lines is about caste so advani ji said he he says about that incident that i would rather be an untouchable and i would rather have the bharatiya jansang as an untouchable than to make myself accept something so abominable and essentially the sang rests on the principle of 
equality among castes and the janasang and subsequently the bharatiya janata party and if you look look at it closely especially the bharatiya janata party today has greatly sort of cemented that particular fault line and tried to sort of ensure that political inclusion happens across castes political exclusion is something that is abhorred and uh, what possibly the bharatiya janasang way back uh, some some what some 60 years or 65 years ago and neither the sang nor the bharatiya janasang at that point of time had the political muscle or the uh, or the clout social clout <coughs> to push back on casteism uh, uh, but today the party and the sang are able to do it with great effect and that is that is what is called modernization that is what is called uh, and i would say that is modernizing uh, you know the, the whole idea of uh, both hindu samaj and the the the, the socio political aspirations of that samaj yeah so abhijit uh, i want to come to you now so le- let me put latest down for you so so we have two sides of uh, i'm not saying these are the only two options before somebody you know strawmans my argument and says why can there be more options obviously there are more options but we are not looking solely from a bjp lens we are looking from a larger hindu society lens but one of the major lenses provided to the hindu society obviously i'm i'm sorry idea. i'm sorry to interrupt you uh, but i did not try to sort of you know put across the point uh, I, i i did not me- mean uh, this my my argument to come out as that the bjp and the sang are the only options but i, I was just relating something nee nee dada i get it but no 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 i absolutely get it dada but i'm just trying to look at it from a now a larger perspective so abhijit there is one view that has always been known which is the savarkarite view basically savarkar you know had the classic seven shackles of hindu society right namely untouchability no interdining no intermarriage no occupational mobility selective ritual permission no seafaring and no conversion no reconversion as in whenever somebody wanted to come back into the hindu fold there was this section of hindu society. very interestingly if you see the threads that it came come out on twitter which were explaining the world view of karpatri maharaj itself mm-hmm. um it was very clear that he had a problem with people coming back into the hindu fold also as like yes. what are you doing uh, so so it's very interesting that so I, again i i am uh, restating this that it is not just that the savarkar world view is the only valid world view because even even when it comes to savarkar like somebody like you and i will never agree with his economic views because he was so left of said uh, left wing in his economic views so but the point is in in a discussion about where a society is supposed to go abhijit how can we as hindus and isme koi sharam ki baat nahi hai hum sare hindu hai hum hamare samaj ke bare mein ek charcha kar rahe hain aur ek open charcha kar rahe hain hamare samaj ke liye so matlab how the hell do i in my right senses justify this kind of thinking well oh maybe shudras cannot drink milk or maybe they cannot do that uh oh maybe they cannot enter the temple or maybe they should not do that 
I mean, where is the competition or the argument for this kind of a thought? Is what where am what am I missing? Is my question to you? Okay, so let's be clear that there is no common minimum program of Hinduism, right? You can be completely anti-casteist and still be a Hindu. You can also be a complete casteist, believe everything that Mr. Karpatri believed, and uh, still be a Hindu. It doesn't make Mr. Karpatri any less a Hindu, right? Because in Hinduism, there is no common minimum program. There are no so-called shibboleths of the faith that, you know, a set of Hindus today are trying to artificially create, right? Uh, uh, say you have to go to temple, you can't eat beef, etc., 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 nonsense. There, there never has been the sort of Agni Pariksha kind of lines for Hinduism, number one. So let's acknowledge that Mr. Karpatri is also a Hindu. Now, what is preventing these people from starting their own party or starting their own little, uh, you know, association, which ultimately turns into a party? Because Hindutva, as we know it, has always, Hindutva is Hindu modernity. It is the one stream of Hindu modernity that has found both electoral traction as well as social traction. And this particular stream of Hindu modernity or modern day Hinduism, whatever you want to call it, political Hinduism, is very, very clear since day one that it has been anti-caste. It will not tolerate caste. Okay. Uh, there were extremely radical progressives like Savarkarji who wanted, you know, to uh, uh, almost in that socialist method to force uh, change down uh, uh, Hindu society. Uh, and uh, what the, uh, they were also regressives like Mr. Karpatri, right? Now, where did the Sangh ultimately settle? It was in conservatism, wherein they accept the progressive philosophy, but they allow society to find its own equilibrium. Where they can, they move. They had an active social engineering program. Mind you, their conservatism, they were actually progressive. Because they went on doing that social engineering to equalize the castes. But they never made it terribly public or dindora pedophying everywhere. Key, you know, it wasn't their plank. It wasn't their electoral plank, unlike, say, caste-based parties. Caste-based parties made a lot of noise, but their interest always lay in not ending caste because that was their unique vote bank. For the RSS, on the other hand, they did not make noise, but they went on ending caste discrimination because their vote bank of the political uh, side of them, which is to say either the Jansang or now the BJP, was that when you identify yourself, it should not be a Ravish Kumar style answer to Konjat ka hai. Okay, it had to be me Hindu who your primary identity was being Hindu, first and foremost. Right now, I don't have any issue. I mean, I find personally find them completely uh, execrable, these uh, uh, Jati Varna types, but they have a right to their own point of view within Hinduism. Okay, I can't say they are not Hindu. But start up your own bloody party. Start up your own equivalent of Jansang. Don't go around giving certificates of Hindu compliance to everybody else. Okay. And if you manage to find electoral traction, 
good luck to you. I doubt very much you will. You'll only get a few uh, hundred thousand Twitter followers at best. Nothing more beyond that. Okay. But what these people want now is that these people have been the biggest spoke in the RSS-BJP wheel. They've been trying their level best to sabotage the RSS and BJP because it went against their own. Uh, a lot of things that they did. I mean, imagine making Kovind the president of India. Imagine making Narendra Modi and OBC the prime minister of India. And the first OBC prime minister of India to win re-election also. Okay, so these are things that rankle with these people. They realize that they don't have any traction on the ground. So they want to either hijack somebody else's agenda or they want to do a mind capture of the agenda and claim we are the real Hinduisms who accept us or whatever. Just like your beef debate, right? These jokers, they've decided that beef eating is against Hinduism. Therefore, they will give certificates of Hinduism to everybody. Same with the Jati Varna type. There's a whole bunch of these regressive jokers who have their own ideas about certain things. And they want to pretend, even though they have always, they have always been pawns of the Congress in weakening the BJP or being used against the RSS or propping up casteist parties. They now claim somehow, I don't know from what angle, and this is where that importance of the Karpatri, uh, uh, Mr. Karpatri uh, uh, story comes in that uh, uh, Kanchanda just uh, recite, uh, narrated. Uh, is that these people have now decided that after being a Congress fifth column, they will now claim that they are the originators of the BJP, they are the intellectual forebears of the uh, uh, RSS, and therefore the RSS and BJP owe them some great debt of gratitude. They owe the, the BJP and the RSS owe these clowns squat. Squat. Okay, their tweets aren't even worth the electrons moved in typing that tweet. And yeah. their so-called intellect even less. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so here's the thing. Now, Dada, I actually wanted to get your view on this because Abhijit has made a very important point about this whole certification business, especially when it comes to meat eating. Now, somebody will say, you eat meat, you can't be Hindu. You don't eat meat. See, from what I have understood, even, even within the political realm, Dada, as far as I'm concerned, in India, we have actually had a very good system, even when it comes to the, the issue of beef in India, where it has been decentralized and given back to the states. Let individual states decide and define their own laws. Like in Kerala and in some states in the Northeast, we have different laws. In maybe in UP, Bihar, Gujarat, and in some states, even with alcohol for that matter, right? Bihar and Gujarat have their own rules about alcohol. Now, I am not getting into the debate whether it is good or bad, uh, right or wrong. That, that is for another day. And, and Abhijit made a very vital point right there that where he said, look, if your views get political traction, your party will give you what you want at the state level. But Dada, what, what do we make of this whole certification business? I mean, uh, I thought being a Hindu, the entire experience was that within my own panth, I will have rules and regulations. But my panth's rules and regulation might differ from the other panth's rules and regulation. And we will try to build a system where we live parallelly. But that does not mean anything goes. Na, kal ko ek mujhe ko khana hai, to thoda ko khane denge. 
नो राहुल कुशाल आई स्लाइटली टेक अ डिफरेंट व्यू ऑन दिस यू सी वाइल आई अग्री विद द प्रिंसिपल that every individual should have the liberty to choose what he or she wishes to eat or drink the way he or she wishes to live etc uh, etc et but uh, there is and this is where i come back to where i began from that we are what we are and we should we should not try to be what we are not we are not a society of individuals we are a society of uh, 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 please of of uh, of communities uh, families become a part of the community communities become a part of the village villages become a part of the state states become a part of the region and the regions together become a part of the uh, they become the nation so the individual urge to disturb the natural equilibrium uh, i i i would not be very happy with that now when it comes to something like beef uh, i i believe that uh, just as across the world various countries have various uh, laws on what what is forbidden food and what is legit food uh, horse meat i mean people are not allowed to eat horse meat in countries where where equestrian uh, uh, love exists now uh, we don't we don't see people uh, uh, i i don't think any uh, sensible country allows the consumption of uh, uh, dog meat or cat meat uh, so there has to be some uh, some amount of uh, social collective uh, restriction on on these things the other reason why i would not want to uh, do something which which disturbs social equilibrium uh, is because then i i would be i mean you see i mean i, I really don't want to hurt Uh, uh the way people think or the way people believe or the, or the majority believes and uh, in our country the majority uh, and including i mean i know muslims who don't eat beef i know of christians who don't eat beef i know christians from gujarat who are strict vegetarians i know muslims from gujarat who are who are frightfully strict vegetarians so so these are these are people specific i mean as, as you know like you said i mean states are deciding and states uh, that is the th- i think that is the right way to go uh, the other part is you know on something like casteism again i would i would depart from abhijit's position that no it is not fine it is not it is not correct to be a part of hindu samaj and harbor such views which are exclusivist which are views which which shut the samaj's doors on 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 people now we forget 
that this country needed a law to allow the entry of scheduled caste people of Harijans uh, into temples, into Hindu, Hindu temples. So we we did not live in live in a time. I mean, I was born after the Temple Entry Act, so we did not live in a time. So we really don't know what it felt like, what it meant when a, a, a Harijan or a scheduled or a member of a scheduled caste community was not allowed to enter a Hindu temple. Why? And that was abolished by law. And I'm not going to name uh, a, a particular society, uh, a particular uh, sect, Hindu sect. They decided, and, and this is recorded history, after, after the uh, after Temple Entry Act was uh, passed and enforced, this particular sect, which was then in... Uh, the, um, 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 located in Bombay, um, the earlier Bombay. Uh, and uh, they said that they would declare themselves as non-Hindus. They actually went and said that we will declare ourselves as non-Hindus and hence our temple will not be a Hindu temple and therefore we will not be obliged to open our doors to Harijans. It was unacceptable then, it is unacceptable now. Okay, so I'm going to no, push... No, I'll, just, I, I'll, I'll just give two more instances and then it's over to you, Abhijit. Second, uh, sometime I think it was either in the 57 election or the 62 election or something, um, the, uh, there was great alarm in the Bharatiya Janasang headquarters in Delhi that a certain seat which they considered winnable, no candidate was being filed. This was in either in Madhya Pradesh or Uttar Pradesh. I'm forgetting it now. And 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 there was great alarm that no candidate was being filed and 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 that seat would go by default to the Congress. So a telegram was sent to the local unit and an explanation was sought that please tell us immediately what is your problem. Now it turned out that that it was a constituency, a reserved constituency meant for scheduled castes. And the local unit said that we are desperately trying to look for someone who's a scheduled caste. Now, not because they did not have scheduled caste members, because subsequently, uh, I think Advani ji called them up and said, Ki, field so-and-so, he's a scheduled caste member. But the tradition of the Janasang, which was inherited from the Sangh, was that you joined the party saying that I'm an Indian. You did not join the party uh, saying that I am a Harijan and therefore I am because I want to do Harijan politics, therefore I need a political platform. So that is one instance of how, how the party was and how the party is today. And from there flows this unique distinction. And I, I personally believe I, I have been witness to Ayodhya in real time, in real life. And when I say Ayodhya, I mean uh, 1990s onward. 
and i think it was it was the most correct decision that the foundation stone of the sri ram mandir in ayodhya was laid by a harijan by a, by a member of the scheduled caste and it is it gives me great at my age it gives me great satisfaction when i see that there is an organized attempt now to train members of the scheduled caste communities to serve as pujaris in temples this 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 elevates us and this is what i meant when i said that sanatan dharma is a dharm of that evolves that evolves through ages that evolves every day every 24 hours every 365 days got it so abhijit what what do you make i just so want to push take... back yeah one second i just want to quickly push back see the issue here is quite simple legally all right uh you do have strictures against the practice of the expression of uh and the implementation of untouchability in any form you can't use castlers you can't uh do uh, uh caste discrimination etc 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 on the other hand in terms of beef beef is still not banned it's still legal right now if you want to ban it go ahead and ban it the issue here is when you set common minimum programs that becomes very problematic because then it becomes the sort of agni pariksha that you see a lot of the left doing in america right now now is saying certain things here or doing certain things here banned but tell me how do you ban having a belief system if they believe in jati varna now let's separate this here because you know we need to believe in separation of church and state right are uh, the state because it is the same state's progressive tendencies that you take to ban casteism that were also the state's tendencies to take over uh 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 deciding who is allowed into shabarimala so you need to be very clear in separating all these concepts because if you don't you ultimately lay the path for state interference in religion which is never a good thing it is a very different thing for a social movement like the rss to be doing uh uh, uh you know uh, uh, uh social engineering in their own bubble it is very different then for the government to come and shove certain other things down people's throats so i may not agree in fact i think that people who talk jati varna are the most execrable nasty characters you will ever meet but i will defend to the deaths their right to say what they say to believe what they believe even if i don't believe in it because if you start eliminating all thought that you don't like no matter how despicable how disgusting how putrid and how uh, you know it, it literally when i hear when i read some of the kind of uh, uh, sorry to use this word but shit 
undiluted shit that you get on Twitter, it it literally gives me the, you know that somebody walked on my grave kind of feeling that tingle that you get. That's the tingle of revulsion that you get. Unfortunately, whether we like it or not, they have a right to say these things, right? Uh, so that's the sad down part of it. Uh, is it acceptable? I mean, what are we proposing? I'm not a fan of cancel culture. We can't cancel these people. Because remember, the, these are arguments that have to be defeated socially. Mm -hmm. Tell me, do you still hear anyone in the West, in the Christian West, anymore espousing the idea of Ecclesia? Uh, uh, Bishop Ratzinger, who became uh, Pope, was the last fellow to you know, enunciate Ecclesia. Uh, Ecclesia is kind of their version of caste in a sense. You know, the way Ratzinger explained it was, uh, what will happen if a tibia thought it was a metacarpal and a metacarpal thought it was a tibia, which is to say your, uh, the foot thought it was the hand and the hand thought it was the foot. And remember, the imagery is very similar to our imagery of, you know, Brahmins coming from the head, uh, uh, Kshatriyas coming from the uh, uh, arms, uh, uh, the uh, Vaishyas coming from the thighs and the Shudras coming from the foot kind of imagery. He was referring to a very similar image to all of that. Today, nobody talks about that in uh, Western Christendom. So it's, it's fine for you to express those views. I don't even support cancelling those views. I mean, at a personal level, you don't have to invite them over for dinner and crap like that. But be careful. Be careful because there is an equilibrium here to be maintained between these guys' rights to express themselves within the ambit of the law as it exists and going down the path of having our rights in Sabarimala trampled over. Hmm. So, so Abhijit, again, it all boils down to that, right? And, yeah. and sorry, no. just one, 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 one more point. Uh, you know, hurting okay. people, I'm sorry, in a modern society, suck it up. If you get hurt, boo hoo 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 hoo. I don't give a shit for your broken heart or your broken feelings. So, you know, they, they can take their feelings and go uh, for a jolly good hike up the Himalayas and never come back again. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, no, 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 no. I, 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 I you know, the, the <laughs> answer to the answer to orthodoxy is not orthodoxy. Uh, what Abhijit is prescribing is orthodoxy of another kind. And uh, obstinacy cannot be met with obstinacy. Uh, so we have to keep that in mind and we have to be very mindful of that. Two, you know, we often narrow down everything to eating or not eating beef. Uh, I think that is not really much of a discussion. There are communities, there are tribes in the country who eat beef. In the Northeast, it exists. In, in the, there are uh, Goa is another example. Kerala is an example. Uh, in West Bengal, a lot of Bengali Hindus, whether we like it or not, they eat beef, and it's a it's a legal meat over there. So I, I do not want to reduce the debate to whether somebody likes someone eating beef or not eating beef. I merely said that I myself would not do it. Apart from the fact that uh, 
there there is a whole lot in the constitution of india which uh, I, i accept and there is there are bits about the constitution of india which uh, about which i have some questions uh but the constitution of india also mandates that the state shall endeavor and when i say this when the constitution says that the state uh it it means that uh, the country and uh, it says the state shall endeavor to protect cow and its progeny there is a reason for it there's a cultural reason for it and at that point of time there was also an economic reason for it and uh, again as i said that i know of muslims who don't eat beef i know of christians who are uh, vegetarians so it it you know there is no black and white in this debate and it is best <laughs> we keep it out of this discussion now somewhere you uh, kushal had mentioned savarkar's seven uh, thoughts that i mean you know uh, the, yes. the 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 problems that exist west bengal believe it or not histo- in, in history there was a point of time when west bengal or the or west bengal hindu society as it existed at that point of time did not have brahmins and uh, they had to bring in i mean because they wanted to join or they wanted to become a part of of the latter day rites and rituals which were emerging uh, they wanted to become a part of it so they brought in brahmins from uh, banaras mm-hmm. and uh, and and six brahmins came if i am if i am if i am not wrong six brahmins came and they sort of imparted training to others told them taught them how to do puja etc etc the rites rituals the mantras and then it, it was an agreement between uh, between the the person who brought them in and the person who sent them across that after a year or whatever they would they would go back home <coughs> now when time when the time came for them to go back home the brahman samaj from where they had come they said sorry we don't we can't take you back so please don't come don't return home we will not allow you to come back you have left this at that time the concept of this was just where you lived you have left this and you have you have crossed over so you are you are no longer welcome back and that is how those six brahmins or eight brahmins or whoever whatever had come they stay back in west bengal and subsequently from one of those brahmins uh, Bra- uh, immigrant brahmins comes the family of the tagores uh, uh, ramindranath tagore uh, is part of that cha- of that tree now the point which i am trying to make is that brahmins who came and settled in bengal they became non vegetarians 
they 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 ate fish they ate meat now that is because the there was a dearth of protein rich vegetarian food in bengal i mean i i i am no i am no i am not a scientist who can actually give you scientific evidence but i'm just going by what i have read and and because there was a dearth of protein rich rich food and because bengalis were genetically uh what is it called lactose intolerant lactose intolerant they were lactose intolerant so there was there was no great uh, demand and availability of milk and its products so they were they had to perforce start eating fish and subsequently when the shakt uh, tradition came up and and worship of shakti uh, became a part of the hindu tradition they started eating meat which was offered as an uh, offered to the deity so uh, you know th 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 there is a lot of history to it there's a lot of cultural nuance uh, nuances to it so we should not see it in a black and white form and i would not do it because i don't i try not to make people unhappy uh, just because i also expect people not to make me feel unhappy so abhijit i i, I you know if you hurt me and then tell me that big deal i mean i don't give a damn i shall i shall never forgive you for that but kadata you know me i only i exist to hurt people uh, but, you know i don't hurt people without thinking and it through lastly Because, and, yeah. and and lastly this is not about cancel culture i mean i would be the last person to suggest some some uh, that that free speech should be killed to stop people from from expressing their deep dark desires to see uh, brahmanical supremacy reestablished sorry no i mean but the the law exists they under our law a lot of stuff that is said especially on social media i mean you know nobody has the time and i am happy that nobody has the time and the state does not get too involved in this uh, but a, a lot of stuff that is put out is actually hate speech now we are not we are not trying to discover hate speech from the from the western version of hate speech sanatan dharma has been Uh, one of the cornerstones of saratan dharma is tolerance for the other view but when the other view becomes a weapon when it becomes when when it sort of uh, hurts when it when it when it is a and by hurt i just don't mean physical hurt but it it is also psychological scarring we were there a lot long before the west came into the picture with their version of hate speech sorry no it is not about cancel culture it is about the samaj realizing that that you have to give up on certain uh, ideas you have to give up on certain viewpoints because they are antithetical 
essentially antithetical to where we started millennia ago. And my concluding comment that, you know, it's, it's very easy to say that the state must not intervene. And I have heard this argument earlier also at, 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 at an international conference where I had propo uh, proposed something. And people said, but you know, uh, as somebody who, who, who says that he is on the right of the political spectrum and that he's a conservative, he should be demanding or asking for state intervention. Now, what happens when, when, when the Samaj needs a prop or a support to reform? That is where state intervention is important. The state, in our case, the, 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 the church and the state are not separate. The spiritual and temporal are not separate in India. Our politics is guided by, by dharma. Our entire constitution, look at the original constitution. Why is it illustrated the way it is? Why, why does the chapter on fundamental rights have an illustration of Sri Ram? Because we have, we have tried to build our republic on the foundation of dharma. And then to say that the state must not be the, the, the state must be separate from faith, it doesn't work like that. The state must intervene and the state should intervene. Had the state not intervened, we would not have had the Sharda Act. And it would have been perfectly legitimate to, to put seven-year-old girls or six-year-old girls through the misery of uh, marrying 20-year-old or 30-year-old men. And I hope people who are tuning in or who are listening, they know the importance of the Sharda Act. Or for that matter, widow remarriage. But for state intervention, widow remarriage would have been a, a, a prohibited act in Hinduism. And I can go on and on and on, including inheritance, including adoption. And... You know, it it, 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 it it is it is something which we must reflect on. Why did why did President Rajendra Prasad uh, oppose the Hindu Personal Law Reform Acts? Go back in history and try to read why he opposed them. He wasn't opposing it for for some great preservation of. Uh, Hindu Samaj and its values. So I rest my case over here. So just to make the point, nobody's saying state intervention isn't required. The question is, where is the slippery slope out here? Have hmm. I at any point of said, said that state intervention was not required? No. The question here is very simple. Now, remember, Kanchanda brought up the issue of seven-year-old widow remarriage not being allowed. My great-great-great-great-grandmother on my mother's side, from the Palakkad side of the family, because they, they had a lot of hanky-panky intermarriage with Nayars and things like that, she had 27 husbands, seven of them simultaneously. Uh -huh. You forget about widow remarriage. 
you forget about widow remarriage they here there was no restriction on it at all there was no restriction on poly uh, uh, polyandry there was no restriction on uh, 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 the, if the husband died big deal go ahead and marry another one big deal and several of the, the several of them simultaneously right so remember state legislation works in some ways the question is if you keep looking for the state for it at some point the state gets carried away like they have in america today mm -hmm. second there is no freedom of expression without the right to offend if you are not offending then there is no freedom of expression full stop Mm -hmm. this is why i will support armin nawabi's right to put up all those uh, uh 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 images of kali that everybody found so offensive but i will also support karpatri maharaj's uh, followers uh, uh from saying what they want within the ambit of the law and notice a lot of them do break the law in uh, on uh, twitter where i immediately go file scst cases against them and they do but a lot of them understand the nuance and you know sidestep it they they're saying something but they're not exactly saying it so they play very carefully with their words okay now you can't just abolish thought because you don't like it no matter how execrable uh, it is because mm -hmm. remember if you start doing that it will be done to you mhm mm Okay, remember, if you start doing crap like this, tomorrow when the Congress is in power, Hindutva itself as a thought will be banned. ये हुआ था ना जब आरएसएस के दस हजार लोगों को जेल में डाल दिया था. One second. Why is Hindutva such a threat to these people? Like I said, it puts the Hindu identity over the caste identity, over the mm -hmm. uh, philosophical school identity, and all of that. it is the biggest threat to leftism because leftism and modern congressism thrive on exacerbating these divisions they will be the first people to abolish hindutva if you put too much power in the hands of the state mm -hmm. i think just saying state intervention is good without thinking through the consequences is a very very dangerous thing to do mm -hmm. and i think we are already seeing the dangers with shabri mala and things like that that was a disgraceful judgment all right because remember th these are private beliefs of someone where the god is a bachelor the god is believed to not want uh, 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 you know a certain uh, uh, age group of women coming in there you can't impose your social justice agenda on that because i can tell you a lot of people find uh, shabri mala devotees ideas on this to be equally execrable as uh, uh, some of us find mr karpatri's ideas so what are you going to do machine gun them down you can't do that it doesn't work that way there is no, no, no one so therefore therefore no, no, therefore one second, I... let me finish let me finish so you know you can't have this sort of blanket solution to it it has to be based on clear principles there will be laws the laws will have to be obeyed but at what point is there a red line of law when it comes to tradition for example with all the equality legislation and the west is way ahead of us 
Why have they never been able to shove female priests down the Catholic hierarchy's throats? Because they have a much more sophisticated understanding of what individual rights is. The Indian understanding is so crude and unsophisticated. You still have people on my timeline saying, oh, it's a violation of my fundamental rights that uh, XYZ blocked. How is that person blocking you a violation of your fundamental rights? That's like saying, I have a right to go into my neighbor's house while they're having sex. And for them to lock me out is a violation of my fundamental right to watch them. You know, so, so we really need to get a lot more sophisticated in terms of legal thought in this. Okay, because th there are certain principles you can apply and there are certain principles where when a state starts interfering too much, it becomes indistinguishable from communism and socialism and Stalinism. No, as I as I said that, you know, you cannot fight, you cannot fight one type of extremism with Abhijit's type of extremism. Uh, one kind of fundamentalism with Abhijit's kind of fundamentalism. One kind of orthodoxy, orthodoxy with Abhijit's kind of orthodoxy. So you have to... Are you made up extremism? My my my, my 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 I have I have grown up in the belief that reforms are good and reforms are essentially driven by the Samaj. The state doesn't come and tell you to reform yourself. The state doesn't tell me <coughs> that it is unethical to steal. The state doesn't come. I mean, as a child, I was never told by the state that I should not be, uh, I should not grow up into a, uh, a mafia don, or that I should not violate the law. So, I am not saying that the state. I am not at all interested in a Maibab state. All my life, I have agitated against a Maibab state, but. I have given you specific instances when attempts at social reform fail. Now, I don't buy into the bunk that not a single incident of Sati ever happened and that it was a great British conspiracy uh, to malign him. The, the numbers... Dada, may... cancel, okay, cancel. Uh, so, the, 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 the numbers may vary. Now, I can say that uh, 100, I'm just giving you a random number, that 100 incidents of Sati happened. And you can say, no, actually it is not 100, it is 97 or 87 or 57. That's a different argument. But to say that Sati is fiction, that it never happened, I mean, give me a break. I had just joined the statesman. I mean, this was in the mid-80s. And the Roop Kawar incident happened. Subsequently, the law, the, the Sati Act had to be revised. It had to be, uh, you know, the, the ancient act had to be uh, amended. So are you saying that, no, it is for the community to decide or for an individual to decide that, no, I shall jump into the pyre of my husband? So why is it that the act had to be uh, reviewed and revised? There is 
one extreme which abhijit is presenting that the state comes marching in uh, it marches into your bedroom into your living room and decides what you talk about into your dining room and decides what you eat and into your bedroom and decides uh, whether you are sleeping uh, facing on the right or facing the ceiling or on, on your left uh, no i mean nobody is arguing for that and to bring in the sabari mala case as a counter to every argument for reform uh, to 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 sort of obstruct every suggestion that the hindu samaj has deep fault lines i think i think that's a very unfair uh, i mean i won't say it's a straw man but it's a very unfair way of blocking discussion and i again i mean since abhijit believes in being brutal uh, about stating facts i think most of india is really not bothered about sabri mala 90% of india's hindus would not be bothered about sabri mala it's a temple in uh, somewhere but the sabri mala devotees are that is what counts okay i am i am with them i am with all devotees but to but to sort of make out a case that hindu samaj is perfect and the only imperfection is the supreme court judgment in the sabri mala case i think is an absurd proposition and let me i mean i think kushal is now getting a bit fidgety that he is running out of time uh, uh, but let me uh, let me just conclude by saying as a hindu i must ask myself why is it that people are giving up on hinduism and embracing christianity i must ask myself why is it that every day there is a steady trickle out of my samaj now the word samaj a very loose translation of that is society but the word samaj means a lot more than society or congregation the fact that somebody is leaving should worry me i'm not worried about that but i'm worried about the fact that somebody is benefiting from that person leaving my samaj दादा एक बात पक्की है यू वुड नेवर गेट अलोंग विद करपाती महाराज बिकॉज़ ही वाज टोटली अगेंस्ट फ्री कन्वर्जन सो आई 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 फेल टू अंडरस्टैंड दिस एंड आई आई हैव नो डाउट्स इन माय माइंड दैट टिल सच टाइम वी एड्रेस वी एज अ कलेक्टिव एड्रेस दीस फॉल्ट लाइंस they will continue to like termites our samaj will be eaten away from within i i, I have no i have no That's doubts in my point. mind about that ek minute abhi ji i just want to make one just ek comment fir tu pura time le how good i feel ki tere ko koi kar raha mere but mere alawa see the point here is very simple 
why did the roop kanwar thing have to be uh, relooked at the sati act it's because we still don't understand our jurisprudence our judiciary our legal thinking is so crude we still don't understand what are the overarching principles to apply because the rule of the law in this country is a pathetic joke there is no such thing as jurisprudence generally because the judiciary is so capricious you don't have a certain equality of views that are consistently applied now what is the principle where the state interferes and where the state does not interfere one is the principle of physical harm mm-hmm. okay so with roop kanwar it's very simply a case of a you can't uh, aid or abet suicide you can't glorify any kind of suiciding in general and see did the act actually cause physical harm in this case clearly it did therefore it doesn't go it did not even read a re-legislation in that sense there were existing laws that could be applied now if you want to look at the stupidity of the indian state look at what happens with the nirbhaya law tell me what did the nirbhaya law specifically solve or sate other than public anger nothing all the provisions of law that existed for those rapists to be hanged were there before as they were after right so it's an extremely crude unsophisticated legal thinking that india and india's judiciary and india's parliament have in legislating these things with shabarimala you can say that the overarching principle to be used was gender discrimination wrong because this is a case of private property where some people want to enter it is a place of faith now if you do not believe what the stories associated with the deity out there then you have no faith in that deity fundamentally so your uh, th- that uh, uh, lady or guy whatever its name was uh, what is it uh, the person who was agitating yeah. who tried to get in uh, they clearly have wo no maharashtra se wo maharashtra se jo thi i do i i don't remember now uh, i mean i don't know if it was he or a she i think it was a she he uh, something but anyway uh, 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 this person had zero interest in that deity had zero faith in it so what locus standi do you even have i mean the court should have just looked at it and rejected it right there because there was there was no locus standi out there because people who want to break the fundamental shibboleths of that faith but i'm sorry abhijit we are i'm sorry abhijit i i refuse to be get into an involved discussion on an activist judiciary Uh, taking suomo to notices or to or or or, or responding but to there lies the danger kanchanda you are the going to no the dangers of an activist judiciary yeah yeah but the act, the the dangers or the threats posed by an activist judiciary is a separate discussion it has it, it cannot be clubbed okay, let's no, it, is, no it is not because when we're talking about state intervention it is a fundamental part of state intervention the state has to function you can't have a government like this that keeps abdicating its responsibility to the judiciary okay let me intervene here because we need to wrap it up and let me take a few questions look question bhi puch rahe hain so okay so i'll start with you kanchanda i'll take two three questions and let us have quick answers 
again this is specifically for you and it is i'm taking this question is because it is kind of a corollary to what has been discussed between you and abhijit now so someone has asked i feel that hindus have started giving more importance to group thinking about individual rights based thinking do you agree and if so how can we continue to have a proper hindu debating tradition in that case kanchanda yeah so no i i, I don't think that i have even remotely proposed group think over individual think what i have said is that we are not the west we are definitely not not western in the structure of our nation in the structure of our samaj and uh, while all fundamental rights political rights economic rights social rights are essentially rights for individuals but in our in our in our way of life the individual is a member of a family the family is a member of a community the community is a member of a, a faith and, and 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 also of a, a of a place that is i mean either a town or a city or a state and together we coalesce into a nation so this kind of individualism that i me myself and the rest be damned that is not who we are that is not what we were and as far as debating traditions are concerned uh, kushal i think i have mentioned this on your show earlier your show is named after uh, 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 our uh, ancient debating tradition the charvaks were the were the original debaters they had a contrarian point of view okay abhijit this one is for you and these are like a comment followed by a question so most hindus know very little about their history and philosophy so in a process like modernizing hindu socio political thought how much do you think if we have to look back at what was lost and how do we reconcile this contradiction um i think the lack of knowledge of history and philosophy can be very important as an asset in adaptation because you're not bogged down by the need to create continuity you come up with new ideas new paradigms and you say this is hinduism end of story why do you have to be apologetic or explain it to yourself or even need to create a case that it is continuous and derived from the past some people might need that link to the past perfectly okay but i think as a rule you don't need it you know we i mean tell me how many hindus unlike christians who have to have their confirmation and all of that at church have to learn the dogma of the church or muslims who go to madrasa how many of us actually go and learn our religion and our especially our philosophy in uh, uh, this things we don't so it's 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 both a good thing and a bad thing okay uh, depends on which point of view you come from um, i think what happens is uh, a, a lot of looking back tends to constrict you it restricts you in where you go so have a clear idea of history but don't get bogged down by it don't 
find, feel that there is a need to uh, stick to it. For example, uh, there is a lot of justification of caste in Hinduism. Right. But if you break the shackles altogether, does it make you any less of a Hindu? No. If you don't worship in the old way, in the Vedic way, which was entirely no temples at all, it was just fire sacrifices into a constructed uh, 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 fire uh, uh, pit. Uh, and then if you start worshipping idols, does that make you any less of a Hindu? No. Evolve as you want. Okay. It is a weak mind that seeks a connection to the past. It is a strong mind that can connect anything you do today to the past. All right. Uh, Kanchinda, a lot of people have asked similar questions. So I'm going to kind of, uh, you know, mix them all together and ask. And this is for both you and Abhijit and then we'll wrap it up. So a lot of people, see, you raised this point that, you know, initially <laughs> where you said, each member leaving the Hindu fold has to worry us. And, and rightfully so. Every time somebody leaves the Hindu fold and goes out should worry us. But then what happens is when it comes to this discussion, um, the how do we, like somebody has said, is it possible that, you know, we create some sort of a multifaceted version? Like, let's say today we are having this discussion about how do we modernize <coughs> Hindu socio-political thought where, uh, you have a point of view. Abhijit has a point of view. I have a point of view. And we three may not agree in mul multiple ways. And in such a scenario, we have, uh, I don't know what other f words do I use, Kanchinda, predatory fates. And, and I say this with full responsibility, but I don't know any other word to use. Maybe Abhijit and you might disagree with me on the usage of the word predatory faith systems, but I think they're predatory faith systems. I, at least at an intellectual level, they're extremely predatory. Now, in such a scenario where you have predatory faith systems and then you have people who have this worldview where, oh, you are not allowed in Falana temple. You can't do that. How do we balance things out? Kanchanda, first you can answer. And Abhijit, I want you to answer this too. How do we draw a balance? Because the balance has to be drawn societally and politically both. It's not like it is one or the other. It has to be drawn both ways. So, Dada, first you and then Abhijit and then we'll wrap it up. So, three very quick points. One... Uh, how do we how do we sort of try and staunch uh, the 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 outflow? I I don't know whether I gave either of you this example ever. Sadhvi Rathambara has set up an orphanage called. Vatsalya Gram. It's not very far from where I stay. And it's a, it's a model that any, any unwanted Hindu child, especially an unwanted Hindu girl child, please give her or give him to me. And I shall bring up the child. I shall make the child uh, uh, empower the child, I shall educate, empower, enable the child to then go out and make a life for himself or herself. How many such efforts are on currently? I'm not saying that people are not trying. There are. I, I know of others also. Now compare that 
with the enormous amount of resources that are being pumped in by what you call the predatory fates. Why can't we, as a Samaj, push the line that, no, we shall build more schools, we shall build... And I don't buy into this thing of, oh, a Hindu can't build a school because the constitution gives special rights to minorities, etc., etc., because we also have a system of linguistic minorities. So a Bengali Hindu can come to UP and, create, and set up a school. And it will be protected under the Minorities Act, under the Linguistic Minorities Clause. Similarly, a, a Hindu from Karnataka can go to Bengal and set up a school over there. But we won't do it. Yes, we must look back at our, at our past. And I totally disagree with what Abhijit says. That unless you look back at your past and you learn from all the great success stories of the past. And also learn from this huge strategic failures of the past, blunders. You will never be able to uh, sort of make your samaj stronger. One of the great success stories of the past was the Hindu school. Built in Calcutta at a time when Calcutta was was dominated by uh, by the clergy. Why can't I learn from that? Why can't I learn to work around the system? And two, when you say that. You know, I don't know. I mean, people don't use this line anymore. When we were young, the standard excuse would be, "Kya karega babu? Garib aadmi hai." So, आपने काम क्यों नहीं किया? क्या करेगा बाबू गरीब आदमी है? आपने मेरे गाड़ी में धक्का क्यों मारा? क्या करेगा बाबू गरीब आदमी है? So that that seems to have become our mentality. What can we do? Handring, handring, handring. There is a lot that can be done. And if you look back, you look back at a time when you were doing so much. And, and, and learn from it. And lastly, the idea is not to shut, shout down. Idea is not to cancel. Idea is not to block. Uh, uh, views and opinions and thoughts which could be contrary to mine. I wouldn't do it. But sadly, and I say this with a great degree of sadness, that a lot of these contrarian views, that a lot of these expressions of fealty to tradition, a lot of this support for orthodoxy, it stems from a very superficial knowledge of Hinduism. People just, you know, there are there are these Insta books doing the rounds. I, I will not take names. 
someone comes from america and he 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 instantly becomes a hero over here because he says stuff which resonates with you and and and, and sort of uh, excites you enormous damage is done so some godman goes and, and and is caught with some actress fornicating with her this man he comes and justifies it oh no actually he was getting into you know he was trying to practice tantra and we say wow so we we must be alert as as in his previous avatar arun shauri would constantly tell us we were way younger at that point of time uh, you know we were like the half half pant crowd and both girilal jain one of the one of the intellectual giants of our times and arun shauri they would keep on telling us that you have to be constantly alert it's like it's like an alarm clock which is all the time wound up so that you don't fall asleep you don't shut your eyes because even for a fraction of a second if you shut your eyes or you fall asleep stuff happens people people have read three or one or two books of sitaram goel and they try to give lectures on whatever i have i mean i have spent hours sitting with sitaram goel in his little office basement office in uh, 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 old delhi every lunch i mean uh, once a week at least during lunch i would i would i mean those days there was there would be no traffic i would just walk across to his office from link house and it was a delight so much to learn i mean you didn't even have to ask questions it's almost as if he would he would uh, sort of pre-guess the questions in your mind and he constantly would say don't fall for charlatans look back look back from where you have come where you are today and then you decide which where do you wish to go and then you decide which way do you wish to go all right that's Abhijit. why it is important and in those days swapan and i i think we had coined this expression uh, past tense uh, past imperfect future tense so if if your past is imperfect your future can only be tense see for me it's a question of who are you going to accept like you remember we did that podcast on the end of hinduism there's a lot of support for it but there's a lot of hatred for it how are you going to ever get people to agree to the same interpretation of the past you never will right it's a discussion you have the past is a useful tool i see prithviraj chauhan as an idiot many people see him as a hero i would be on the side uh, for example when kanchanda says learn from your mistakes and beware of charlatans i would consider prithviraj chauhan to be both a charlatan and a mystic other people would consider him a hero 
what examples do you take? What do you choose? What do you reject? Whose interpretation do you choose? Which is why I keep saying it's okay if only a small number of people, leaders of great caliber, understand these issues. Of course, unfortunately, one of the downsides of Hindutva is that your top political leadership understands squat about larger anthropological and social issues. Uh, you know, they, they, they still have a very awesome mind ossified in the writings uh, of the 60s and 50s, and they haven't moved on from the social paradigms of the 50s and 60s. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. Don't get stuck in it. If you want to do something, go ahead and do it. The, the audit function is separate from the doing function. If you have the capacity to audit, then which audit is it going to be? It's like that 2G thing. Pre net presumptive loss. Congress saying there is no net presumptive loss. You will pick and Right. So it's, it's, it's very up in the air. Uh, the issue, you know, we, again, one of these things about uh, going into the past is like the Chinese emperors, you know, the last Ming emperor who hanged himself from a tree when the Manchus were invading and burning all of China around him. He was so obsessed with the past. He couldn't look beyond the past. So again, everything in measure state interference in measure understand what are the macro concepts for state interference in keeping the state out same thing about history ultimately there is no such thing as the correct history it's the history you pick and choose it's like a muslim he can either choose the uh, 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 the war uh, uh, things to be extremely intolerant or whatever or uae is a wahhabi state technically they're extremely liberal. They're allowing live-in relationships and things like that. You can choose whatever they went down. So let's not overstress the importance of history out here. There is an audit function to be had, but it's not all-consuming. All right. So we learned today's discussion. Oh, today's discussion over here. See, see, the beauty of having a discussion with Kanchan Gupta and Abhijit Ayer is that Dada to pure Bengali. Abhijit is also Bengali. So, two Bengali. Two Bengali. Okay, discussion. Ke beech mein, main, <laughs> main nahi padta. So, look, the aim of today's discussion was not to say there is one way. That's the whole point. That's why we say when we are talking about modernizing the Hindu socio-political thought, there is not going to be one standard answer. But I just want to request each and every one. And I'll leave you with this thought. So look at two thought templates, right? One template has a scope for plurality where you can allow people with different points of view inside that template. It is not anything goes, but it has certain... Uh, flexibility and the other is what I call I don't know actually Karpatri Maharaj bade discussion mein hai, to unka thought template where there is literally no flexibility there is no flexibility you are not allowed to do this or that so if you want Hinduism to survive my question to everyone you may disagree with me and I'm fine with it please don't get me wrong but which thought template are we supposed to take 
I leave you guys with that question. And you should think about it. If you want Hinduism to survive as a meme aplex or as a meme, whatever you want to call it, how does it need to behave? Sometimes it might have to be rigid where it's needed to be rigid. Sometimes it will have to leave things alone. How Abhijit gave the example in the Shabrimala case where the state has to leave things alone. Right? There, there are two cases where the state had to interfere and the state had to leave things alone. But the point is, obviously, there are no good answers. That doesn't mean there are no answers. We need to find better answers. So on that note, I'll once again thank Kanchanda and Abhijit. It's always fun. And for the record, it was so much fun to see Abhijit ko kisi aur ne bola mere <laughs> But see, this is the point of being a Hindu. You can have a nice, vigorous discussion and we all go back and we can sit down smoking cigars and drinking beer or single malt or whatever. All right, guys, we'll end today's discussion on this note. As Abhijit said, this is the beauty of being a Hindu that you can have a difference of opinion and still live together. I hope certain people who who, who have a pathological hatred for my point of view try and understand that I don't want their thought to be devoured or destroyed. I just want their thought to be challenged and question and similarly i want my thoughts to be challenged and questioned we'll end today's discussion over here once again thanks for watching this video like the video subscribe to the channel leave a comment support the podcast on youtube patreon wherever you want to go and support it i'll see you guys next time until then take care goodbye <laughs>